Today we have someone who has been a friend, uh, it seems like forever. Sally Klein O'Connor is a Messianic Jew um, who is a song, uh, singer, songwriter. She and her husband have written some very, very powerful um, anointed songs. And uh, Sally, would you please come? I really feel led to, to pray for you today, if you would, if I may. And at least from my perspective, it is intriguing to see how God has been drawing Sally towards greater and greater connection with, um, well, with Jewish people, her people. And, um, and I believe that what's happening with her as well is first fruits and that God has a much larger harvest field for her and for Michael. And we want to pray in faith for that. Lord God, you are the one who raises people. And uh, you have gracious plans and purposes for us, in us, through us. And Lord God, we, we thank you, Lord, for, for the wonderful depth and uh, profundity, Lord, in the spirit, uh, in your word that we've been seeing uh, in Sally and Michael and coming out through their ministry out of the abundance of the heart. As you say, the mouth speaks. And uh, Lord God, we pray for your encouragement, for your gracious hand to be upon them, all over them, Lord. Lord God, and we pray that this weekend that Sally will hear a big, loud Atta girl from you, Lord. And that, Lord God, that you would renew and strengthen her vision. And, Lord God, that you would cause her to see the fields that are white to harvest. And, Lord God, the niflaot, the great and wonderful things that you have in mind to accomplish in and through their ministry. And we praise you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And this is a bit of a surprise. We will be taking up a love offering um, for their ministry. And if the Lord leads you to give, please write a check to IPM, Improbable People Ministry. Shabbat Shalom. It's not good to cry when your voice is already kind of like, mm, <laughs> iffy. Abba, I thank you. I just thank you for who you are and the beauty of your presence in our lives and the little glimpses that we have of it, Father the love that's like a sea, it's, it's completely beyond our scope of imagination how great the love that you have for us. We, we do not comprehend it. And, and if we did, and if we lived there, how, how, 
how much the world would change around us. Please give us courage, Lord. Please give us courage to love, to love as you have loved us. And just uh, bless our time in this, Lord. B'sham Yeshua. Amen. <clears throat> Plant me like a tree to showcase your splendor. Let my eyes look out and see you restore the land. Make me a trumpet sounding your name that all who wander far away will come back and serve.
Uh, I was on the plane coming here, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm an improbable person. That's why we call this ministry Improbable People, because Mike and I are rather unlikely. Um, and, but beyond that, that, that God actually, he chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Paul says so in Corinthians. <clears throat> and I was on the plane, and uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, really looking to socialize. I was, I was kind of trying to sleep. <laughs> and um, we landed in Las Vegas, and everybody got off, and I uh, came from Los Angeles. And, and, uh, and there were not as many people on the plane, and this guy moved over in front of me, and um, he said, you know, oh, he says, you know, you, he you hear people say, no worries, no worries. He said, you know, that's not a very good statement. And he started to go off into this thing. And I said, I said, you know, I, th I think they mean it in a temporal sense. I, I don't think that they, you know, I started to kind of talk to him, you know. I don't know why. But God knows why, you know. And so pretty soon we were on the subject of how people say it's all good. And I said, you know, I really despise that statement because it's not. That's not true, you know. And, um, and it turned out that this man was um, uh, uh, a Jewish guy from Westlake in, in the uh, San Fernando Valley where area I live. And um, he is, a, I guess, a hypnotist and a therapist. And he was the uh, halftime show at the uh, NBA. Um, he was doing the halftime show with his assistant. And so we ended up in this very interesting conversation, you know, and... Um, and he said, what's the most powerful weapon in the whole world? And I said, love, really, love. And he said, forgiveness. And here's this guy, and, you know, he has an abstract view of God. You know, he believes there is a God. But here's this man saying, no, it's forgiveness. As a therapist, he understands that the power of forgiveness is the most powerful thing there is. I thought that was amazing. And then I said to him, I said, well, yeah. I said, but real forgiveness has to come from a place of love. And it's love. Not that I'm competitive or anything, and I just, you know, <laughs> I just two cents. But I've been reminded again and again, because I, I don't come from a place of love. Wounded people don't come from a place of love. They come from a deficit of love. And, um, and I have been reminded at different seasons in my life, especially in, in my years as a believer and in my marriage and in our ministry, of the truth of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. And even before now, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and in angels, but have not love, I'm only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then at the end of this passage, you know, where he explains what love is, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I think that when you've been wounded, whatever the wound may be, and it's unhealed, you're in a constant posture of defending or protecting. You don't even know sometimes that you're doing it. And for me, one of the biggest ways that I protected myself and defended myself was by judging because I had been judged. Um, as many of you know, I, I was bitten by a dog when I was eight years old and I was given the label of Scarface. And I grew up in that understanding of myself. It wasn't something I took to myself willingly. It was something that I was inundated with visually and audio, audio, audibly, I guess, you know. I mean, day after day I went to school and this was the word that was applied to my identity. And day after day I went to look in the mirror and this, the scar that I had on my face at that time was what I saw. And it was bigger than anything on my face and it defined, it put everything else in perspective. It made my perspective. It molded my position, my, my point of view. And in eight, you don't understand that. You just start responding. And so my response was to try to gain a place of power and the place of power was to judge. To say, well, you know, she's shallow. Who would want to be her friend anyway? You know. and, and to make those kind of judgments, which cut me off, they, they left me not as vulnerable, but they cut me off from love. And, and it's been a journey for me, you know, in letting God define me, as I've shared many times here, but even more of a journey of letting him teach me how to love and to love as he loves, not in my own little comfortable sphere, not according to who I think deserves love, because I do have opinions about everything, <laughs> but to love as he loves. And his love is healing. It's so powerful. You know, why wouldn't we? It's because we're still not completely abiding in that love we're not always abiding in that place. I'm not anyway. I don't know about you. But, uh, you know, I, I am and uh, Joy were praying for me last night. It was very meaningful. And there was just a picture, you know, there was just a picture of, in my mind that, you know, came to me. It was just of me as a little girl. And, and the father, the father just going, And when we're in this place with the Father, there's no, there's no need to judge. There's no need for prejudice. He, he sees it all. He knows it all. He's got the video camera going. In this place of love, there's such an abundance of love that love can be freely given. And that, that really is what, for me, this journey uh, for a tour of roses has been about. Loving, loving people I never grew up realizing that um, I would ever have a love for. 
So um, I want to I want to share with you. Um, I want to I want to share with you a song I wrote uh, in 2009 for um, the project that we call a tour of roses, and um, it's called Love Is Walking, and I I just want to tell you that the the uh, the project, A Tour of Roses, um, which I, I, I'm going to share some pictures about and everything, uh, came from an encounter I had with a friend of mine who uh, was going to Germany to minister. And uh, she was also a Jewish believer. And um, her hosts, uh, sh- she asked her hosts if she could go to a concentration camp while she was there because she felt the Lord had impressed on her in a dream to go see a concentration camp while she was there. She had never been to Germany. And her nice, young, evangelical, charismatic German Christian hosts were offended. And they were in their 20s or 30s. And they they basically said to her, <coughs> Why? Why do you need to do this? When will this be over? When will this stop? You know, and as she was relating it to me before she was going, I just, I didn't even know the wealth of my feeling about this. She related this particular thing to me. I said, it will never stop. It will never end. They're the bad guys. And all of this feeling arose in me. And it was like, where did that all come from? You know? My parents didn't talk very much about the Holocaust, but there were certain understandings that we had about the Holocaust and about Germany. And, and they were not spoken much, but they were understood. And all, in that moment, all of that came to the surface, and I was just like livid on her behalf. And I said, let me pray for you because... You need to be prayed for, and I feel really full, you know, and I'm full of what, you know. (laughs) And I laid my hand on her, and I began to pray, and you know, the Lord has his ways. (laughs) And he just began to raise questions as I'm praying for her. How do you think the Germans feel? (laughs) Who cares? Oh, let's be real. Why would I care about the Germans? And it and then another question came, you know, what do you think happened to them after, after World War II? And it's like, we're, we're, we're the issue. We're the problem. We're the ones who got hurt. And I, I, would, say, I would say that I, over time, the Lord began to show me there were wounds on both sides. And that I needed to consider how I looked at people he loved that I needed to consider how I looked how I looked at people. And in fact, it says that, you know, it says that we are not to consider anyone as we formerly did, you know, or not to look at anybody the way we did. And so it began for me a whole process of looking at the way I looked at people, all people, people I thought were, shallow 
and, uh, and people I thought were my enemies or evil. And uh, I went in 2007 with my friend Evie, a Jewish believer, who was just incredibly reluctant at the time I called her. She was just totally reluctant. And, and God began to deal with us both. And, you know, I just, I'll just tell you, I was in Bergen-Belsen. was the first concentration camp I went to. And Bergen-Belsen is this place of mass graves. It, it has these stones, and then it tells you how many people are buried there. And then it has these wild flowers, pink wild flowers growing all over the place. And they didn't cultivate this. This is just the wilderness of Bergen-Belsen. And I was like, how dare you grow here? How dare you grow here? I am so offended, you know. And I felt like the Lord just, the Lord just said, I'm a redeemer. How about you? I'm about life. How about you? <laughs> so I asked him for a song to kind of sum up my feelings about this project, and I just want to sing it for you. <clears throat> Pictures of people faces where did all of them go piles of their shoes still with laces doesn't anyone know roses on the tracks rocks on the gravestones we cry never again I can't help but wonder if time Heal the pain. Love is walking, love is calling, flowers leaning to his wake. A fragrance sweet released with every breath he takes. Wash away the shame. 
My first visit, uh, you know, I took a team in 2009 with me to a tour of Roses. We went to Dachau uh, and, in, and um, the town Auschwitzim, which is near Auschwitz and Birkenau, and we went to uh, Bergen. And in each place, um, our primary outreach was to the people of the town. There were um, Jewish believers on my team uh, in 2009. And it was especially important, I felt, for us to identify ourselves as Jews and that um, we were coming to, to share the love of God. And we chose to do that through roses. We bought, um, well, uh, lots of roses, <laughs> long stem red roses. And with each red rose, we had a little card that we attached to the rose. And it said in German or it said in Polish, a rose of remembrance, red for the blood of the people who died, red for the Savior's blood, which was shed for your people and mine, and red for his love, which makes love between us possible. And we gave these roses out to these people. And I remember the first year, and the first place we did it was Auschwitz, near Auschwitz and Birkenau, where the most Jewish people were killed in those camps. And... This place, this town, this little town, is a town of a lot of suicide. People commit suicide there. It's a very high rate of suicide. Um, and I remember finding that out and just being blown away, you know, and realizing that there was just a lot of shame. And so we were in the marketplace, and I was doing worship, and my team was handing out these roses, and one guy came to the Lord on the street. I mean, you know, none of us really... We had, you know, a couple of friends who spoke Polish, but it was like one guy just came to the Lord while we were, you know, handing out these roses, and then people were so grateful for kindness, for for mercy, for love, for, you know, the scripture, it says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And we weren't, we weren't here to judge them or to anything, but to just purely come and give them the love that we had received from God. And we spent months reading first john and preparing our hearts to love to really love even if they rejected us and we were amazed at how moved and touched they were this year this last year in 2010 i i took another team and we we did actually kind of very different trip than you know because in each town in 2009 we would do um, this outreach to the town and then we would do a concert. I would do a concert and share. And then we would have a worship time in the camp itself where we would just, um, we would just declare the sovereignty and faithfulness and goodness of God, you know. 
And this year, this last year, we didn't go to a camp in each place. There were two worship services um, like that. One was in Treblinka. We, Treblinka was on my heart, and so we went to Treblinka. And there we had this worship service, this time of declaring the faithfulness and the goodness and the sovereignty of God in a place where God was blasphemed, was blasphemed. He was blasphemed by Jews and Germans and Poles. His name was obscenified. And in that place, we just declared God over the earth and over the people and over the land and over what? to bring beauty out of ashes. And you'll see some pictures of Treblinka in this presentation and um, of what we were doing there. And then we were also in um, a memorial a site uh, of a little town, of a little village called Yedvabni. And Yedvabni was the most difficult choice for us to decide whether or not to go to Yedvabni because Yedvabni had tremendous controversy in Poland because it had been a place where the Jewish people of that town had been slaughtered by the Poles, not the Germans. But the Germans had looked on while this had happened. And then the Poles had gone and blamed it on the Germans. And so in, uh, in 2000, a book was written which exposed the reality through eyewitness accounts that basically the Poles were the people who had burned the Jews in the barn children and you know and um, so we, we were like and there's no Protestant church in this little village and it's an obscure place and there's only a Catholic priest in this village and we had to begin to talk to the Catholic priest and then this necessitated um, us coming in contact with charismatic Polish Catholics who became who were so excited that we were doing something, they became part of our team. And I hadn't planned on that. And of course, I had a lot of feelings about Catholics, and I, I hadn't figured out what my feelings were exactly, you know? And, and so the Lord had to deal with my own heart about that. And they were the most wonderful and beautiful people. They were just beautiful. There was a lady, uh, she, she's actually a countess, German Catholic woman who joined our team. And then there were two, there was a, they were <clears throat> boyfriend and girlfriend, I guess. I don't know how you put that, but you know. But uh, Merrick and Kasha. And um, anyway, so when we came to this town, they were a very intimate part of what we did. And we didn't do a concert in this town, but we, we went out on the street and gave out roses. And um, a man who was part of Jews for Jesus, a Ukrainian Jewish man, came and joined us for this part of the tour. And um, he led like five or six people to the Lord because he's with Jews for Jesus, you know. I, it's what he does, you know. I said, you know, primarily we're doing this, you know. I mean, you know, I, I don't expect any, you know. And he went right out and I was like, okay, well, you know. It's God's gig, you know. It's not my gig, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but it was such a, <clears throat> it was such a, I mean, I, I just want to tell you that it was such a powerful experience because the first two people that I encountered, they just like, um, Evie and I, my friend Evie from 2007, we, we went to these people and shared that we were Jewish believers and we wanted to just bless them and share the love of God and give them roses. And they were just like, they just came and hugged us and just, just like the father, 
just hugged us like that. And I was like, can this happen? You know, I, I, how many of you saw the flash, flash chorus, the flash mob thing, you know, the hallelujah thing where people came? And it's like, you know, can you, can you make a difference in a way like that, that that people will continue to talk after you leave, you know? And that's what it felt like. We walked through this town, and all of a sudden people were walking through the square with roses. And children were walking through the square with roses, you know? And then there were children watching us, and we were doing worship, and they were dancing. Heather was doing some dancing, you know, in a square that hadn't been danced in since the terrible deed was done. The Jews used to dance at some of the Catholic weddings, and, and the Catholics would joined them in this square, and there was none of that. And so here in this place, you know, was music and dancing, an invitation to heal, you know. But I want to say to you that the reality was that was a joyous day because it was such a beautiful victory in God. And the next day we stood before the memorial because that was also about our journey. It was also about loving them in the place of the memorial where the piece of the barn was still in the stone and we could touch that and look at this town and pronounce prayers for blessing and healing for these people that they would heal so um, this presentation begins with uh, Nuremberg Um, we did an outreach on the street and a concert in Nuremberg um, and uh, that, was, that was quite remarkable in itself. And, and then we went from there to Poland, and, um, and, from, and we gathered. We had a kind of a German team, and then we had a Polish team and, um, that joined us. And, um, and so in, in, uh, in Poland, uh, we, we got together, and we, were, uh, we went to – our next stop was uh, Yedwabny. And we prepared um, these roses. They were the most beautiful roses for Yedwabny. They had a smell. They were incredible. And uh, we took them to Yevabni, and um, you'll see those pictures. And even every morning we had devotions, and every morning we had a time where we could just confess because confession was such a way uh, of defeating the enemy. If we could be honest among ourselves and really say, you know, this is what we feel, this is what's going on, I'm having trouble here, whatever, we really built a fellowship in that way through confession. It was a powerful part of our coming together. And so in Yedvabni, we gave out, and then you'll see the memorial. And you'll see, um, there's a picture, a really special picture to me. Kasia, she's one of the uh, Polish charismatic uh, team. She's, she's on her knees in that memorial, you know, and she's just lifting up her hands in this memorial, you know. I don't know, I don't know, I have no idea what she was praying, but she's just appealing to God. And each of us who are Jewish were just kind of dealing with our own emotions about this memorial. And Leonid, who God had used so powerfully to lead people to the Lord, was just devastated by the memorial. And yet, it was like, well, both things are true. There are people here who God loves. He loves them, and he wants to reach them and heal them. And there was a great tragedy here. There was great evil here. You know, and you can't ignore one to look at the other. You have to see them both. And so from, and from there is Treblinka, and from Treblinka um, we went to Krakow, and our last, our last outreach was, uh, well, 
we had like three different outreaches in Krakow, and then we had a concert in a, a thousand-year-old Franciscan monastery, which was quite amazing. So anyway, I'm going to let hang on a second. <laughs> Oh, 
means Nazis out. This is Krakow. And uh, this is a Jewish part of uh, Krakow. And we did like mm, a couple of outreaches. And this is Evie and the short one and Marie, who's the German, uh, the tall one. And this was, um, oh, you got the sound. And this was just part of our outreach. Um, the guy um, in the white shirt, Tora Rose's shirt, Mark, uh, Mark Warwick and his wife, Kathy, they are missionaries, British missionaries in uh, Krakow. And uh, they were with me. Um, Mark was with me in 2009, and we did the tour. Hannah is an intercessor. She's sitting on the, uh, uh, sitting down there in the flower shirt. And, um, and this is, uh, I think this is Bojena. Is it Bojena? It, no, it's Heather. It's Heather. And Kasha. Yeah. So Kasha is translating for Heather. And then Merrick, uh, Merrick is uh, the other uh, uh, Polish Catholic. And he is uh, just, just giving roses to people. And you know, it's a funny thing. Men, you know, in that culture, it's like uh, don't really expect to receive a rose. And, and so for a guy to give a rose to a man, you know, Mark had told me about this. He said, you know, it might be taken the wrong way, you know. Um, these are two really beautiful women, Bojena and Fridja, and um, Polish ladies, and they wanted to be part of this outreach. Just a tremendous heart for it. And Fredja didn't speak a word of English. So it was really quite amazing to, to hang out with her. She just had a tremendous heart for what we were doing. And she had never done anything like this ever in her whole life. She was very brave. What? She learned love? Yeah. But to be singing even, you know, Hebrew in this place was just, you know. There's a, another picture that's uh, going to come up, a little video that I, I wanted to leave in. And it's a picture of the chairs. It's a square. And uh, in this square, there are 65 chairs. And each chair stands for um, a thousand Jewish people who were killed in this square in Krakow. And um, we decided to hand out roses in this square, um, even though Mark kept saying to me, there won't be a lot of people there, you know. Um, and it was raining. <clears throat> this is us. Um, it was really very communion-oriented. You know, we, we, really, we really connected with each other. In fact, we had communion at the, at the end. But in this particular square, um, there was a man that Heather encountered. And um, this man, um, he was five years old when he saw the bodies being stacked in the square. And, um, and he couldn't believe in God. He just couldn't even conceive that there was a God from that time out. And um, Heather spent about 40 minutes just loving this man, listening to him, being there, trying to invite him to the concert and give him a CD. And, and this man was just so um, broken by what had happened to him when he was five. He was a Polish man. And, and he kept telling um, Heather that you know, it wasn't safe for us to be there as Jews, that we shouldn't even be there, that we had no idea how dangerous it was for us to be there out in the open and doing this. And, and, it, and Heather just let him know it was because of the love of God.
was because that God loves us and loves him. And, and she was just a wreck. project has become very meaningful to me more and more so it's an old song this tremendous memory of all the bloodshed in this place as many people do and we don't understand that blood has been given for that blood it's in our nature to desire that you know blood for blood an eye for an eye blood for blood that idea and blood has been given for the blood the blood of a sinless spotless lamb makes love possible that makes love possible not just a release from judgment but love possible real love love from the heart the kind of love that can heal a wound like like these
notes in our tone Nothing but the blood of Jesus Not of good that I have done Nothing but the blood of Jesus Germans and Poles or Catholics, you know? I mean, the thing is, is that all of this is not pleasing to the heart of God. I think, you know, we justify some of our things. I I know I did. I can only speak for me. And it's, it's not the heart of God, and it's not how we'll heal. Not how we'll heal and how people will heal. It really is about love. The greatest of these is love. And it's such a fearful thing to do when you may be rejected, when you may be hurt. But it's not fearful at all if you're in the arms of the Father. And you know that all the love that can be lavished upon you is being poured upon you and through you so that the kingdom of God may expand that the name of God may be magnified and that he wants to do it with us. I think, you know, when we're wounded, we don't realize how much we wound others with our wounds. I never knew how much I hurt people by pushing them away. I never knew that it mattered the way that I treated people because I was so consumed with the wound that I had I couldn't see other people and I think that for some of us in the Jewish community it's like that about the Holocaust we are so consumed and we need to see that we're hurting we're not helping and that God wants to heal he wants to heal this wound which is not the same as forgetting but it's remembering redemptively. It's remembering in a way that includes and not excludes or alienates. And I believe, I really believe in my heart that we have an opportunity, those of us who are Jews especially, and believers in Messiah, to reach out to Germany and Poland and the nations of Europe who feel shame and condemnation whose children and children's children feel shame and condemnation because it has been hammered home into them what they've done they walk on memorial stones 
In Nuremberg, there are stones. They're called stumbling stones to remind, to remember forever, forever and ever and ever. And there's no release. There's no, there's no forgiveness. But there is forgiveness. Not in man, maybe, but with God. Because there's blood for blood. And so I, I just want to give you the opportunity to, um, to respond, if that's okay. <laughs> if you have allowed judgment, the larger part of your heart, prejudice, whatever you want to call it, the sense of hurt to have the larger part of your heart, it has not left much room for love. And God wants to fill that cavity of your hurt with his love. But he can't do it until you lay it down and say, cover that, touch that with your blood. I surrender that to you. I surrender my right to exact retribution. I lay it down now. And I ask you to fill me with your love. Because I see that your love is the healing that I need. So I just want to I just want to invite you whether you want to stand up where you are or you want to come forward or um, and just pr- yourself you know I mean yes there are people to pray for you but yourself with God just to say Lord I I have held on to this forever because it doesn't begin in Germany and Poland it begins with our own hearts where we are it begins right here how you feel about the people around you and in your family you make a choice to love. You make a choice to love because this is life. This is life. This is who he's called us to be. And there is no love on the earth like this. Love. So, I just invite you to take a moment with the Lord. Search our hearts, oh God. You search our hearts expose the darkness there God expose the things that we clutch we hold on to because they almost are part of our identity sometimes and help us God open our hands and lay them down God your blood is enough your blood is enough and your love can heal can heal every heart Nothing but the blood.
Lord, teach us to love. Teach us to love, Father, where our hearts are corroded by pain and wounds that we don't even know how to explain or understand, Lord God. Teach us to love, God. Help us not to cherish the wounds, but to cherish your love, to cherish you, to desire you more deeply each day, God, to recognize the folly of holding on to those things that torment us or hurt us or wound us, God, but that you want to do greater and more beautiful and more powerful. You want to bring beauty out of ashes. That We are not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. And so, Father, I pray, give us courage. Impart courage to us, Father. And we praise you and thank you, Father, for everything that you do. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Thank you, Sally. That was awesome. Um, and I'm not going to play, so. Um, <clears throat> we're going to thank you for showing us some of your love and some of your heart, and that's, that's just amazing. We, we are going to take up a love offering for Sally and her ministry. I think that you see clearly her heart being poured out on the screen in the pictures. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this day. And thank you so much for Sally and her ministry and her heart and her love that she shows us. And I just pray that, that some of that can come into our hearts and, and, and we can just, just show that love also ourselves. And Lord, wherever we need to have work inside our, of our hearts, please just work in us constantly every day. We thank you for, for Sally, and we, we just certainly pray over this love offering that it just can be provide blessings to Sally and, and her ministries. Amen. <laughs>